0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mindful Manager podcast. My name is Art Burns, and I am here to be your host. And I am really, really super excited. I I can't believe it, but today is the fiftieth episode that I've recorded here, and um, you know this is amazing. And I I want to just I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, without people out there listening, I don't know that I would keep motivated <laughs> to record every day. And uh and ironic and, and that not ironically, but this uh brings me to the uh topic of today's episode, resilience and optimism. Um, so if if I had allowed myself to get discouraged with the first few episodes when I only saw like two or three people listening at all, or or even if I had allowed my first attempt at recording a podcast, I had done one for a few weeks, um, that almost nobody listened to and uh and it was just it was really hard and if i had you know if i had allowed any of that to uh to sort of like guide my decision making i might not have allowed myself uh you know to keep going i might have actually you know given up on this whole thing you know but uh but thankfully i personally have a level of resilience that pushed me onward and uh and i have an optimism to go with that um and now this resilience is not an innate talent Okay. Like many, so many of the qualities that I talk about in this podcast, resilience and optimism as well are both skills and like all skills, they are trainable. (laughs) All right. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So, um, you know, it's, it's a happy Friday here and we're going to talk about like some really good empowering things for you all. So, um, there are three different levels on which we can train resilience. And I, I take, uh, I take some of this from my uh, good friends over at Google, uh, who I reference a lot in this podcast. I like to give credit where credit is due. Uh, the absolute wonderful uh, Meng Tan uh, and his crew over there uh, in the Search Inside Yourself program. Um, so they've come up with this slight, this little list of these three different levels on which we can train resilience. And a lot of this stuff is you know, available in other places and stuff, but but uh, they just have a real good way of, of laying it out. They put a lot of work into their program, and I, I really it appreciate them for that. So, anyway, these are uh, three different levels on which we can um uh train our uh resilience and optimism, um, are our inner calm, emotional resilience, and cognitive resilience, okay? Inner calm uh, is, you know, essentially when we can calm our minds on demand, right? We can cut through all the noise and allow things like resilience and optimism to come forth, okay? Emotional resilience um, has to do with the fact that success and failure are emotional experiences, okay? By understanding this and developing the skills to see what, you know, uh, to see and understand these experiences, at an emotional level, uh, we can keep success and failure in their proper perspectives. Okay. And then, uh, finally cognitive resilience. Okay. Um, it kind of is about clearly seeing and understanding how we explain our setbacks to ourselves. Okay. We can, uh, you know, in, in, developing this understanding and this clear sight of uh, this clear insight I should say uh, of how we explain our setbacks uh, to ourselves we can create healthy mental habits of optimism okay so now let's let's review these three in uh, detail okay because this is this is really really important stuff here um, so Matthew Richard who is a uh, Buddhist monk who who um, after being studied by Western researchers uh, back in the late 90s uh he he was called by these uh these people um the happiest man on earth <laughs> because of the scans of his brain right it just showed that he had such activity in the in the areas of his of the brain uh associated with happiness that that i mean it was off the charts compared to anybody else that they had uh they had studied in this way. So they deemed him the happiest man in the world. And I think that's really awesome. Um, so anyway, he was asked once, um, you know, being the happiest man in the world, you know, do you ever feel unhappy? Right. And, and that's a really good question, you know, because, you know, you assume that somebody, you know, just the way that you assume somebody who is, is, you know, an expert mindfulness, you know, uh, practitioner would never have a moment that's not mindful, you know, and, and it's just not the way. And, and, the same way that the happiest person in the world, you know, asked if he ever felt unhappy. Of course, sometimes he does. And so he came up with this metaphor and um, which is just absolutely beautiful. So uh, he said that, you know, happiness is like a deep ocean, right? This the surface may be choppy, but down in the depths, it is always calm. Okay. he went on to say that in the same way, um, you know, there are days when a deeply happy person may feel sad. For example, Example, if he sees people suffering, right? But underneath that sadness, there is a large depth. Of unwavering happiness. Okay, those are his words. Now the idea there is, you know, you know, like we're we're always going to experience some level of sadness, just like we're always going to experience some level of stress. If if you know, you know, in the uh, metaphor of the person who's a mindfulness practitioner, right? And and so it's it's never about avoiding the sadness, right? Like if if you are, you know, even the happiest person in the world, if he turns on the news and sees some of the stuff that's going on in this world, in the suffering that people are going through, he's not going to be able to help but feel sad a little bit, at least a little bit, right? But the idea is that that sadness becomes temporary because he has this wealth, this deep ocean of happiness that he can turn to and 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 you know and the, and so that in that sense his overriding emotional level is is more happy than sad. I, I hope that makes sense to you. Um, and, uh, and so the same metaphor can apply to calmness and resilience. Okay. Uh, when we practice calming our mind and developing the skill to do it on demand, right? We we develop this depth of calmness. And again, this is what I mean by mindfulness, right? Um, you know, so, so when one of life's uncontrollable stressors comes up, right, which they always will, right, we cannot control the stressors in our life, you know, we can, you know, w- when one of these comes up, right, we can always find that depth of calm, so nothing can stress you out or upset you for a very long time, okay, and that's what I meant when I, when I, uh, um, you know, uh, use the metaphor of mindfulness, right, like, like, you know, when we we do, uh, when we are expert practitioners of mindfulness, right? There are still things in life that are gonna come up that are going to stress us out, right? And and they're going to throw us off this this calm, uh, you know, sort of peaceful demeanor that we have, right? And and but the idea is that it's not going to take it, you know, it's not going to take control over you for an extended period of time because you have developed a, a, a tool and a skill to be able to dip back into that calmness, that, that mindfulness of of you know of being being able to calm yourself and that's what makes you resilient. Okay. Um, so, uh, so this level of resilience is, uh, is commensurate by the way, to the amount of practice you've done. Okay. So, so like, in other words, you know, uh, the, the more you practice, you know, mindfulness, the more this resilience, the stronger this resilience is going to be. Okay. So, so please keep practicing. Okay. Um, and, and this resilience, you know, what, once you've, once you get to this practice, you know at a certain point i should say of of practice you get to to be so sort of good at this that it becomes automatic okay so so please understand that that you know a lot of you i, I don't know your your history with mindfulness and with meditation and stuff but but if you 've just sort of you know been introduced to it over these fifty episodes that we 're talking about here then then sure you are still at the sort of beginning stages but but keep going because in less time than you think this is going to become an automatic thing for you okay and I promise you it is less time than you think now. This is a great segue for me to say that at the end of this podcast episode, I'm going to give you a great way to get in touch with me if you'd like to discuss this further and uh, and clear any uh you know understand like how long this takes and that kind of stuff. But uh but anyway um you know emotional resilience the second point on our list um emotional in, in, uh, I'm sorry emotional resilience hinges on the idea that success and failure are emotional experiences right and. And uh, as with any emotional experience, the experience of success or failure will naturally give rise to grasping or aversion. Now, um, you know, we love the feeling of success <laughs> so much that we don't want it to end, right? Like, you know, that's the grasping to a success, right? Or a happiness, right? And then, and then we dislike the feeling of failure so much that we become afraid of it, right? And we try to avert it from our experience, right? Like we try to block it out. And that, unfortunately, that is a dangerous place because that makes you not want to take chances, right? Because if you become af- uh, afraid of failure, then you're not going to try, right? And so this is where, you know, these emotional experiences are important. So, you know, y- you know, these two mental states will, you know, th- whether it's grasping to the good or aversion to the bad, you know, these will usually hold us back from achieving our goals or, you or, or, you know, sometimes most importantly, you know, make us miss opportunities or miss seeing a, a perspective that could be very valuable and and lead to fulfilling our goals. Okay, so you know, again, you know, when we when we experience grasping or aversion to an, uh to a um, emotional uh, reaction, then that is something that gets in the way of seeing clearly what's going on. Okay, and again, this is curable through the practice of mindfulness, as we've talked about here before. If you remember the grasping and aversion are two of the three uh negative mental states from which all negative emotions arise, okay? So, um so and that's weird because it's even even grasping to something positive, you know, you're going to have negative feelings, right? You're going to have the feeling of of a loss of this good feeling, you know. So even something's very positive is ultimately going to produce a negative uh, you know, you know, negative emotion from your brain, which is, you know, kind of one of those things where you you know, you, it's hard to, it's hard to, uh, even wrap your head around it sometimes, but, uh, but it is how it happens. Okay. Um, so, so to train this emotional resilience, right, we need to become more comfortable with these feelings in our bodies. Okay. Now the body scan meditation, which I've told you about a few weeks ago, uh, is great for this. Okay. But, but next Wednesday on practice Wednesday, I'm going to give you another slightly more, um, advanced, le- uh, sort of uh, version of of this body scan meditation that is geared towards developing emotional resilience now i think you're all ready for it so i'm gonna go for it on wednesday okay so so keep an eye out for that um and now finally cognitive resilience right and, and this could be the most powerful of all you know because you know as i've talked about many times in this podcast you know and i talk to anybody who will listen to when i out in my real world here um that uh um, Um, one of the most common and most powerful obstructions um, that we face in, you know, in the way of our happiness and our success and everything is the stories we tell ourselves, right? And these stories are often, you know, uh, you know, without any kind of uh, sort of remediation, they're they're, oftentimes, they are filled with criticism and judgment. And this is, again, one of the things that we do as we train in mindfulness, we train to, to not judge things so well so again keep practicing and this is going to you know sort of automatically get better right um but as we develop the, the calm awareness, right, that, that we talked about a few minutes ago, uh, we can see that these stories we automatically tell ourselves, and, uh, and we can start telling ourselves stories of optimism instead of the ones of criticism and judgment, okay? Now, I have a great story here. for I have a little quote from, uh, from an athlete. Let's see if you can guess um, who, who this athlete is, and, and he's, uh, he's talking here about what a failure he was was in his career. Okay, Now I quote, um, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over again in my life. And then he finished by saying, and that's why I succeed. Now, you may have heard of this athlete before. His name happens to be Michael Jordan, okay? And so um, the point of this is that everybody. Everybody experiences failure, okay, even the greatest basketball player of all time experiences failure, and so certainly do you and I right um, you know the difference between someone who succeeds in spite of inevitable failure and someone who who succumbs to failure is all about how they explain. Their failures to themselves. Okay. Optimistic people like Michael Jordan will see the failures as opportunities for. Imp- for improvement, right? Whereas pessimistic people will see failures as a final result, okay? That is the real key there, and I'm going to repeat that, okay? Optimistic people will see failures as opportunities for improvement, whereas pessimistic people will see failures as a final result, okay? There's a psychologist who I've talked about here uh, uh, quite a bit. His name is Martin Seligman, and um, he, you know, he's recognized for his work in learned opportunities. Optimism, okay, and uh, and he explains that, that people who are optimistic tend to react to setbacks with a presumption of personal power, okay. In other words, that setbacks and failures are temporary and can be overcome by effort and learned skills. Okay, he goes on to say that pessimistic people, on the other hand, see setbacks as a result of personal helplessness, okay, that their failure is a generalized product of personal shortcomings that they just can't do it. And so they give up okay? And that's what I mean by saying that uh, that pessimistic people fi- see failures as a final result, right? They assume that it's it's attached to a personal shortcoming and therefore failure is inevitable, okay? And so that's the difference between optimism and pessimism, right? Because again, no matter how you feel about things and no matter what you do in this world and in this life, you are going to experience failures, right? And so whether, you know, the difference becomes whether you see the failure as something that you can learn from and you can develop a skill around this learning and and to then overcome it or you see the failure as something that okay i'm just no good at this thing and and i you know i just can't do this right and so I'm giving up, you know, and that brings me back to what I said about the, the podcast, you know, uh, a few, a couple of months ago, I guess it was a few months ago, I started another podcast, I, I didn't do it quite right, I, I didn't, you know, set up the artwork properly so that Apple Podcasts wouldn't uh, accept it without the right kind of artwork, and, and, I, and I wasn't real consistent with how often I recorded it, and I wasn't really, you know, as targeted as, as this one is, and, and, and no matter how many, you know, I, I, I wound up recording almost fi- I think 50 episodes of that one too, over the course of more time, because I wasn't doing it every single day, Um, but, but in the same 50, you know, I had maybe like two or three listeners on a, on a, uh, on a consistent basis, whereas here I have, uh, I think it's 20, which, I mean, that's not, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's still a, a modest number, but it's very, you know, it's, it's a huge success compared to the other one, and if I had, if I had allowed myself to feel that, I am just, you know, I'm just not good at doing a podcast, you know, maybe it's my voice, maybe it's just, you know, I'm just not good, at, I don't have the right ideas, I don't have the right, you know, uh, whatever, you know, then I, I would have given up and I never would have started this one where, you know, all you folks are listening to this every single day and and I presume getting some value out of it, right? So, so you know, so in my optimism, I was able to see that, that even though that first podcast was a failure, I mean, by any metric, it, it failed right but what i did was i learned from that failure and i was able to see those that failure as something that was a, an opportunity to improve right and and knowing that i could i could sit down and figure out why it was failing the artwork the the consistency in posting the the consistent message the you know the the you know all these kind of things like i could sit down and view these things and say okay it, it has nothing to do with me it just has to do with these things so let me try change these couple things things and see what happens. And lo and behold, here I am 50 episodes in and I'm doing much, much better. You see? So, so it's that those failures were not the final result. Those failures were just, you know, part of the learning process. Okay. So I I hope that, I hope that, uh, um, you know, rings true with you all. Okay. And, and so, uh, I just want to, sorry to digress there with that story, but, um, but to bring this whole, uh, this whole idea home to your work and your business, this, this idea of optimism versus pessimism, I want to tell you about, um, uh, a study, or remind you actually of a study that this, uh, this, uh, Martin Seligman, um, did that. He, he is the psychologist who, who worked with, uh, with MetLife in 1990. And, uh, and, and he found that insurance agents, right. Who were optimistic, right. Just everything else being exactly the same between, you know, one group of, of insurance uh, agents and another group of insurance agents. The only difference is whether they felt optimistic that they were going to close a, a sale on the phone or pessimistic that it, it was not going to happen. So the optimistic uh, agents outsold the pessimistic counterparts by 8 percent in the first year and 31 percent in the second year. Now, I know I've told you that story here before um, it's amazing to me, right, that just being optimistic, you know, was was an eight percent difference in the first year and thirty one percent difference in the second year. That just tells me that that in the um, you know, in the first year, that even the pessimistic people were able to sort of just muscle through it and just you know, in spite of their pessimism, just you know, try to sell. And so, but that that energy wore off in the second year, and that's why it was a huge change, like thirty one percent. But that's not even the only So, so in the same study, um, Martin Seligman got MetLife to hire agents who were just below the normal cutoff in their screening process. Right. So, so like they, they judge people on a criteria of certain points. Right. And, and so, so he told them hire the people who just miss the, 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 uh, the cutoff, but, but who scored higher in optimism in your, you know, screening process. Right. And so the group, That of those people, right, who normally wouldn't have even gotten the job, right, (laughs) Um, they outsold the people who did, but but those people who were pessimistic, now these, this group outsold the pessimistic uh, group by 21% in the first year and 57% in the second year, okay, and these are people who normally would not have even gotten the job. Okay so that just tells you how powerful this idea of optimism and the resilience that comes from optimism optimism uh can really be all right so i thought you'd you'd uh, enjoy hearing that especially again in light of the fact that in business you know we're all out there you know this is a a podcast devoted to people in business and so therefore just having optimism you can have faith that that it is likely to to give you an 8 to 21% advantage uh, in the first year against another person who is not optimistic, right? And that's, I mean, that's amazing. So so take that as fuel for your success, if you want me, if you want my advice. Um, now, and here's the really, really good news about all this, right? That optimism, just like I said before, just like resilience, is not an innate uh, trait. I mean, some people probably are more naturally uh, optimistic than others, and that, that probably has to do with the way they were brought up, how Optimistic their parents were, and these kind of things. You know, those are all factors that that do uh, come into this. But optimism is a learned trait okay and so so it can be developed and and that's really good news, okay, especially when you're talking about these differences in success uh in business now, in order to develop optimism, right, we need first to be objective, okay because you know and it's a little bit you know it, it that doesn't necessarily jive in the mind so much but but the reason for this um is that you know it's it's you know in order to de- develop optimism you know we we have to at least be objective and this requires us to understand and remember the negativity bias that we all have okay so that's what i mean by being objective is is key to being positive <laughs> you know it's it's like a weird sort of uh counterintuitive thing because it's it's about being objective in the face of what we what we all share is a negativity bias now i've talked about that uh, here before as well but I'm gonna just tell you that negativity bias is is something again natural to all of us okay and it's it's the reason that if you were you know like let's say you go to a, a review uh, by your employer right um, and and there's you know ten different points that you cover in your review if nine of those points are positive or, or even neutral and and one point is negative then you are psychologically More apt, uh, more you know, you're going to have a tendency to focus on that one negative point, even though there's nine others that are positive. Now, um, there's another amazing psychologist who I talk about uh, here a lot, and she's she's wonderful, Barbara Fredrickson. Uh, She's got a really really great uh, TED Talk on YouTube. I about compassion, I really uh, in, in encourage you to, to look that up because it's really, really awesome. And she's a really awesome person. Um, and she actually established a ratio between positive and negative experiences or, or the ratio of the negativity bias. And that ratio is three to one. Okay. So in other words, you know, or, or per that ratio, I should say, we need three positive experiences to, to every negative experience to create a tipping point of resilience. Okay. So what this means is that, you know, in your life or, or like, let's take, let's take a given day, right? If you go through a given day at work and, and you have the, the ratio winds up being that you have, um, you know, two, two, Two positive, uh, two negative experiences to one positive experience. Oh, I'm sorry, other way around. Two negative, uh, two positive experiences to one negative experience. Then you're going to go home that night feeling like you had a bad day. Right. Even though it's only a two to one, you're you got 50 percent, you know, but but you're still going to feel like that was a negative day. You're going to feel like, oh, God, the world just beat me up today. Right. Like as though there were no successes and no no positive points to the day. Right. But if you manage to get a three to one ratio, then you're going to walk home and you're going to feel like, oh, man, I killed it today. What a great day I had you know, and and it's so crazy that this happens. I shouldn't say the word crazy, but, but it's, it's so, you know, just fascinating how our minds work this way. Now, again, this goes back to our brains, you know, the, the way our brains are trying to keep us safe and sound and, and, and they do so by, by paying more attention to the negative experiences in our lives than the positive ones, because the negative ones are the ones that pose a threat to us, right? So that's, that's sort of the mechanism behind all this. Um, but, um, but knowing this, right, knowing that this uh, ratio exists and applying it to the view of your life is a huge step in developing optimism, okay? So, so if nothing else, just being aware that, that you are more likely to, to feel, to look at the negative experiences than the positive ones at a three-to-one ratio, just knowing that is, is a huge step in the, in the right direction, okay? Um, and, and so what this means is this means knowing that you probably have many more positive, uh, successful experiences in your life than you think you do. Right. And, and just, again, just knowing that is, is, is a way to sort of, you know, feel the optimism in your, in your, uh, in yourself. Right. And so mindfulness uh, is the next step in helping us with this okay with developing optimism right um, you know with with the non judging and the letting go that we learn through mindfulness practices you know we can be we can be more objective with our experiences right so so you know we we can you know see that you know by not judging the negative experiences and by letting go of both the negative and the positive experiences we can be more objective and that objectivity again is the first step towards you know building that cognitive resilience okay which is again sort of another word for optimism or or, or where optimism is going to come from all right and then and so to take that a step further the mindfulness of our bodies right lets us clearly see the emotions attached to the successes and failures in our lives right and then we can bring mindfulness to our thoughts right not letting our thoughts you know grasp onto the successes and avert the failures right and uh and at that point we can just be neutral and objective and then see if if we're thinking we're helpless Right, which would be the the pessimist, right, or or powerful, which would be the optimist, right, and so so again, I, you know, this is a long way to say <laughs> that you know just keep practicing your mindfulness practices, and all of this is going to naturally come forth. But of course, talking about it and getting us, you know, sort of thinking about the benefits of this and 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 how to recognize it and stuff is, is of course very very helpful. So um, so I hope that's that's good, and I hope I, I hope this came across to you, and I hope this helps you all uh, in your quest for for your own emotional resilience and your own cognitive resilience and uh, and for your own optimism, which is going to lead to your success, all right? Um, so, I, you know, once again, um, for the 50th time, I am really, really happy to have shared this with you today. I'm really happy to to have people out there listening to me. I'm grateful. I'm happy. I'm excited, and I'm very, very optimistic that this is all going to you know, just really help people uh, because it's so powerful. All right. And so with that, I'm going to say uh, thank you again for listening. And uh, I'm going to tell you most importantly that I wish you all well. Uh, And I hope you're having a great day. I hope you're going to go home tonight and have a great night. And I hope you have a great weekend and and that you're going to, you know, just be filled with this optimism. Uh, And and I really hope that you continue to practice your mindfulness because the more you, you practice, the more this gets, to a point of automatic, and it's just like you you won't have to think about it anymore. You're just going to find yourself feeling optimistic and and resilient to, to the many challenges that life is going to throw at you, all right? So with that, again, I'm going to say so long, and I wish you well, and thank you again for listening, and I'll be back on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey there, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and supporting my efforts here. I am so happy to be here with you every day and and to deliver these uh, messages of of mindfulness and emotional intelligence that can help you in lots and lots of ways in your life. Now, I have a really, really exciting thing to announce to you here. as you know, one of the three uh basic forms of practice that we work on in mindfulness and in emotional intelligence uh, and perhaps one of the most the, perhaps the most important one of all is kind intention and so I am super excited to to launch uh at the at the beginning of next month on august first we 're going to launch the thirty three day Compassion Challenge. Now, I, I call it a challenge because everybody's doing challenges these days and I figure it's, it's a way I'll get people's attention. But of course, there's nothing challenging to it. As you know, uh, kind intention really just requires us to to let go of something as opposed to, to uh, creating an effort around it. And so what we're going to do is for 33 days, starting August 1st, we're going to give you a daily uh, message you're going to get in your email box. All you got to do is sign up for it. There's No cost. There's no anything involved other than just signing up for it and doing the practices that you get every day. Now, there's going to be each week you're going to get one formal practice to work on, and you're going to get one informal practice to work on. So Monday you'll get the formal practice, Tuesday you'll you'll uh, get the informal practice for the week to work on. Uh, They're going to be super easy, not take a lot of your time, uh, and they're going to be kind of fun too. And and in the end, I promise you, you're going to be Feeling so good now. The rest of the of every day, uh, you're going to receive an email every morning, uh, and you're going to get in those emails. You're going to get a video. Uh, some are by yours truly, uh, talking about the um, the various effects of of, mind, of uh, kindness and kind intention and compassion and uh, the effects of, of uh, that this stuff has on your brain, as well as the effects it's going to have on every aspect of your life, including those who you love and and how your your compassion and your kind intentions are going to ripple out to those people who are connected to you and how it's going to change everything. And uh, And I'm just so looking forward to it. And then also we're going to have a lot of science. Uh, I'm going to share uh, YouTube videos that I've uh, collected over the years uh, that, that talk about the science of all this and how it all works in the brain and the body and the heart and the vagus nerve and all kinds of stuff that I've talked about in the podcast. And this is where we're going to just make it a real thing. And so why are we doing 33 days? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> a good friend of mine and fellow coach uh, named Kurt Francis, he has this amazing uh, illustration to, uh, or sort of a, an analogy of forming a habit to, uh, to the flight of an airplane. There's a, a, t- a a point at which um, an airplane has enough power and enough lift under its wings that even if it loses one of its engines, it's still going to achieve flight. Okay. Uh, I don't know the technical name for it. I'm not a technical guy, but so the, the habit of formation or, or the formation of a habit, uh, and the experts tell us it takes about 66 days. So, But however, there is a point at which you have that sort of lift to you, uh, and, and enough power under, under your wings that you're well on your way. And so in other words, you're kind of over the hump. And so if 66 days could be seen as the cruising altitude for an airplane, where the pilot can literally get up and, and use the restroom if, if she likes, um, you know, 33 days is, is representative of that time where you will have enough lift under your wings and enough speed behind you that, that even if you you know, sort of falter a little bit here and there, you're still going to form a habit of compassion and kindness. And this is something that's really important, not only to us as individuals, but to the rest of the world around us. And, and, and these days with everything that we have going on in the world, you know, I think it's pretty clear that, that this is more important than ever. And so again, this is a completely free program. There is no cost, no no obligation, no anything, <laughs> strings attached to it. It's literally just for you to participate in and, and gain a power that you, that is available to you. And, and it's, and it's available for, for very little effort on your part. Okay. So I hope you can join us. So what you need to do is you need to go to, if, if you want to join us, the way to do that is to go to my website, artburnscoaching.com. And on there, you're going to see a, a little button that says, uh, the the 33 day compassion challenge just click that uh button and you're going to be uh just put into a page where the only thing you have to do is give me your first name and your email address. Okay. And that's it. And then from there on, everything else is taken care of for you. Okay. Starting August 1st, you will receive a daily email and, uh, and I'll also be posting and, in I'm going to be forming a Facebook group for this, which you'll be invited into, uh, in one of those emails. And, um, and I'll be posting in the Facebook group. I'll be doing some lives. I'll be doing, you know, give you some opportunities to ask questions about some of the stuff that we're covering. And, uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm really, really hoping that you'll join us, uh, every single person who's listening to this. All right. So again, artburnscoaching.com, hit the button that says the 33 day compassion challenge, and you'll be all set. And starting August 1st, it's all going to be taken care of for you. And I'm so excited to start this and to, and to have all of you join us. So uh, I can't wait to get started. And thank you again for being interested. And I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Take care.